We're delighted to have guests with us today to speak for us about missions. Gary Wilma Davidson, missionaries to Ireland for about 40 years, I think, if I remember right. And uh, incredible work God did there. He may tell some of that this morning. Uh, but about a year and a half ago or, or, or so, um, he was asked to be our director of missions for the Oklahoma Assemblies of God. There's about 60 missionary units that are out there in, in a AGWM, Assemblies of God World Ministries. There's probably another 35 to 40 or so that are involved in ministries in Oklahoma and uh, through Chi Alphas and, and prison ministries and all sorts of other things. And he works with all of those missionaries encouraging them and uh, challenging them and helping them to figure out strategies to raise the money they need for their support. That is a really, really big job. We were talking at dinner last night, and when we asked him to do this job for Oklahoma, we told him it was a part-time job uh, with part-time pay. He's found out that the second part was accurate, the first part not so much. He is incredibly active, traveling across our state, going to other places around the world, representing Oklahoma and Oklahoma missionaries, and it is a delight to have him with us today. Our dear friend, he's been here many times. Would you welcome Gary Davidson as he comes today? Praise the Lord. Hello, Owasa. Hello, Owasa. Uh, last time we were here, we were recognizing the fact that you were the top giving uh, missions church in OKAG. We thank you for your generosity. People are receiving the gospel. People are being saved. Churches are being planted. Clinics are being operated because of Oklahoma and because of Owasa. We bless you. It's great to be with Pastor Bruce. I like uh, Bruce. I like Jan a lot better, but it's great to be with them today. And... Uh, also, it's, uh, uh, is Kevin in the house? Kevin and, and in the house, uh, I saw him up on the platform. Kevin Norwood, I think the only, is that you? I see that hand, hallelujah. The only person that's probably made more trips across the Atlantic to Ireland than myself is this guy right here. And he's made a real difference through uh, your giving in the church here. I bless you for it. They invested so much, many of you. How many of you have made one of those trips? I met Vito up there a while ago. He's been on the trip. Okay, all over the place. How many would like to go back again? Okay. How many would like to go with them? I mean, this is after COVID. We can now take trips back to Ireland. You want to go there. You want to go there because not only do the Irish love Americans, they speak a, a kind of English like we do, so you can relate to all of them. So it'd be, it, you don't have to learn the language, and you can go in and don't shout louder when they don't understand you. That doesn't help you. That doesn't help them. But in Limerick, where they invested, Kevin came with a team there and invested, invested. When they were coming, we probably had 30 or 40 involved in the church there. And today we have a building there that seats 400. They have planned out another church. Now they're focusing on, uh, uh, on the Lighthouse Church, which is getting ready to plant their third church in Ireland. Lighthouse, led by a young, a young couple called Jamie and, and uh, Lud Cochran. They've, uh, uh, they've been going for about 10 years. They meet, and one of their groups meet in a, in a, in a uh, 
uh, a nightclub. Another meets in a cinema. The new church plant will probably be in the cinema. We've never been able to buy a building. It just seems, and yet we'll still have between the two churches six or seven hundred there on a Sunday morning. You know, the church is not a building, friend. It's you and I. My heart was touched this morning. We're singing that song about Jesus changes everything. And 42 years ago, God spoke to our hearts sovereignly. Go to the nation of Ireland. We've invested 40 years of our life there. We love the place. God has blessed us there. We have seen much happen. I want to throw up a few slides here, and then we're going to share the word of the Lord with you. Thanks, Vito. Would you go to the next slide? This uh, tells what's going on right now. Pastor said we have 60-something units. That's right. But I don't call them units. I call them missionaries. So we have 112 missionaries working in 52 countries of the world. The sun never sets on an OKAG missionary. Isn't that marvelous? Even when you're asleep at night, you're blessing them that they can take the gospel. Let's go to the next one here. Oklahoma is reaching communities and campuses and cultures. Let's go to the next one. And uh, not only are you reaching the world, but we're doing things here in this great state through the Chi Alpha ministry. I know you've been very supportive of the Tulsa Chi Alpha. We were just there with Destry and Cynthia and, and seeing the money that's been invested. And they're just right across, literally across the street from the Tulsa campus. I said, where do you live, Cynthia? She said, oh, we live over the garage there. They live in 400 square feet. I said, that's not big enough for you and Destry and Obadiah. And, and let's go to the next one here, Vito. Uh, you need uh, more space. She said, right now, Gary, this is perfect. I can get up and be in the place that God has called me in just a couple of minutes across the street. This is where they're at. They are making a difference. Let's go to the, here's Teen Challenge. I don't know. I, I saw Kevin the other night uh, at the, your missions director at the uh, gala, Teen Challenge gala. And it was a, one of the most remarkable, 850 people there gathered at the Renaissance. We heard the most stunning testimonies of how Jesus changes lives. Aren't you glad that Jesus ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father? He has sent the Holy Spirit and 2,000 years later that same Jesus is changing lives in the most dramatic way. Unbelievable. One of the great openings for us in Ireland was Teen Challenge and God used it in a remarkable way and still continues to use it today. And not only are we doing this locally, not only are we doing this through Team Challenge and through Chi Alpha, but around the world, God is using Oklahoma missionaries to change lives. And we're planting churches. I mean, I have a passion to plant churches. Let's go to the next one here. And the next one, here's Joni Middleton. My goodness, God has used that woman in the most remarkable way while well, Operation Rescue. Bethany Hines was sitting in her home recently, just had a great tragedy in their lives here back in the States. She's got a heart to reap Mus meet Muslim women in, in Colombia. The Sears are doing it in Brazil. Let's go to the next one here. And uh, let's go to the next one. Now, this is what does something to my heart. If you look here on the map to your left, you will see the nation of Ireland in 1980 whenever God sent us there. And at that time in the south of Ireland, there were two churches. There was a church of 20, and the other church was a small church. 
And the church of 20 actually didn't make it and closed down. We weren't working with it at that, or working with it, but it closed down after that. But you know, I, I stood in the place called the Royal Marine Hotel where we started one of our first churches. And I remember I would stand there and I would minister. I would look to my right and there was the harbor of Dunleary where the, what they call the mail boat, where people that came to immigrated from Great Britain or made their journeys back and forth between Great Britain, between Wales and Ireland would come in. And I was aware that there had been three couples that had went to Ireland. I was aware that a, a couple had been sent there by and, and used of the Lord in a remarkable way and got very ill and passed away. Another couple came in. They came right through that same harbor. This is a very young couple. They began to plant a church. He died in a tragic accident. And then another couple came a couple of years later, and the same thing happened. All of that was in my mind one morning as I stood and I looked out and suddenly the Spirit of the Lord began to speak through my life. And the Lord said, too long the throne of the enemy has been raised up in this nation. But the Lord said, I declare that Satan is the usurper. The throne over this nation belongs to Jesus Christ. And he said, I have called you as a group of people to pull down the stronghold of the enemy through acts of mercy, through acts of kindness, through acts of spiritual warfare, through acts of prayer. I've called you to do this. And by the grace of God, we have watched this come to pass. It came to pass because a group of people like yourselves believed in Wilma and I all of those years ago. And today when you look at this nation of Ireland, everywhere you see these little places of fire, there are AG churches today preaching the gospel. We have 43 congregations. We're getting ready to plant five more. I say that to say to you, it's because when we came to you with a vision all of those years ago, Pastor Don Dorsey, and you, the church was in a, another location, if I remember correctly, but you believed in us, you invested in us, and you invested in us for over 38 years, and this is the fruit of your investment. Today, this morning, a few hours ago, Tens of thousands of people gathered together in churches in Ireland and worshiped the Lord. They danced. They blessed the Lord. People were saved. People were set free. Why? Because missions works. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Thanks for that, Vito. I just want to read a scripture to you. I want to speak a few minutes on something I felt God laying on my heart at 3 o'clock this morning. And it's in the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter. You know the scripture very well. Jesus said to Peter and to his disciples, and he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overcome it, shall not overpower it. And I give to you, to who? I give to you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And in the book of Acts, there's an interesting uh, narrative that takes place in the 12th chapter of Acts. It is when the church was under so much pressure. It's when the church was being persecuted. And in the 12th chapter, the Bible says, Herod had taken James, the brother of John, and put him to death with a sword. He saw that it pleased. He saw that it pleased the Pharisees and the others. And the Bible said, and Peter was taken into prison. 
But there was a difference. The Bible said, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Another translation says, but prayers were being made passionately on behalf of Peter at the throne of the Lord. And the Bible says, on down in the scripture, that an angel came. An angel awakened him, or didn't wake him, brought him up. And as they walked out, the scripture said, and the iron gates opened. Iron gates yield when the church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit begins to call on the name of the Lord and acts of spiritual warfare, declare the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God and ask God to do something on behalf of the nations of the world. Things begin to happen and iron gates begin to yield because people pray. Amen? As, we got, as God directed us in those early years and we felt to go in the heart of Dublin and to plant a church. We started with 12 people in our home. And we outgrew that quickly. And we kept moving on. And then the Lord opened the door for a place called St. Mark's, an old unused Protestant church that had been deconsecrated. And we purchased that building. And God just continued to move. Over the first two years, over 400 people followed the Lord in water baptism. And I still remember we were having a week of prayer. And in that week of prayer, as we were waiting before the Lord, as we were gathered upstairs in the prayer room, one of our couples came in late. And they noticed a young man that was sitting there, stoned out of his head on drugs. And they walked up to him, Dwayne and Eileen, and they said to him, Hi, our name is Dwayne and Eileen. Uh, can we help you? And he's, this is what he said. He said, I walked by outside and I saw a light on in this building and I thought I'd come in and see what was happening. And they said, why don't you come upstairs? We're having a prayer meeting. Would you like to be in a prayer meeting? He said, I don't know what a prayer meeting is, but I will come upstairs. And he comes upstairs and as he walks in the door where the prayer meeting is going on, still stoned out of his head, a lady was praying on the other side of the room, one of our elders at the time, Patricia, and she was praying, and she turns around with her eyes closed, points straight at this young man whose name was Stephen, and begins to prophesy grace and goodness and release upon his life. He literally fell in the, in the door there, cried out to God, was saved, and delivered of drug addiction. We sent him off to Teen Challenge a few weeks later. And about six months later, he comes home. And we were having our Sunday morning meeting, and he says to me, can I share my testimony? I said, you can. This is what he said. He said, I was raised on this street. St. Mark's Church is on a place called Pierce Street. He said, I was born on Pierce Street. I was raised on Pierce Street. I did my, my, uh, uh, first, my Holy Communion from here, my confirmation from here. I went to music academy from here. It was on this street, he said, that I took my first injection. And it was on this street, he said, that I ripped off my first handbag and to feed my habit with drugs. And he said, I was out, I was put out of my home, and I'd walk up and down this street in desperation. I had seen this old building that I now know was St. Mark's Church. It had been dark for years, and I often wondered what that building was, but I never dared go on the grounds because it was surrounded by a cemetery. And he said, 
One, last, one night, six months ago, I walked by and I saw a light in the window of old St. Mark's Church. And I thought, something must be happening here. He said, I walked in. I got saved. I got delivered. And I got baptized in the Spirit of the Lord. Today he is married. He is preaching the gospel. Why? Because people prayed and people believed God. We have found one of the keys in the life that we find in the Scripture, in the book of Acts, the key was that the church prayed fervently for Peter. And when they prayed for Peter, iron gates began to yield. We have found in our nation that as we pray, I have walked the streets. I was so moved by that presentation by, by, your, by the worship team. In the presentation that was going on, I was so moved as I watching people walk the streets. And I thought of the year of the early years when we would walk the streets of Dublin and pray and ask God. But friend, you don't just keep praying. You pray. You ask God for a strategy. God gives you a strategy. You don't stay and just pray and stay. You pray. You stay. You get the strategy from the Lord, and then you begin to implement that strategy. One of our first outreaches in the streets of Dublin was when we were walking the streets and we saw the homeless and couples came and said, we can do something for these people. And, and, and we began to organize just to go out and do cups of soup and, and cups of tea. And we had, a, we had a couple that would just use remarkably of the Lord. So I would go down and help them. It was rain. It would usually be raining in Ireland, and we would offer steaming cups of tea and steaming cups of soup. And uh, so I went down, and I said, "Well, let me serve for a while." And so uh, I would fix them a cup of tea, about three quarters of a cup, and a bit of soup, and hand to them. And one of our workers said, "Pastor, that's not the way you do it." Barbara said, "You don't do it that way." I said, "Why?" She said, "You fill it all the way up." And I said, well, if I do that, it'll spill on them. She said, that's the idea. You feel the soup, you feel the tea, and it's about to run over. So they're going to stand there and wait till it cools down. And while they're cooling down, you preach them hot on the things that Jesus is doing, and you share the goodness of the Lord. And I remember one night I went to a lady. They took me to a lady that lived in a box, and they said to her, this is our priest. Well... I am, I believe in that. And I uh, said, he pray, and I'm, a, I'm a real father, have, have uh, four children and a load of grandchildren and great-grandchildren by the grace of God. So she said, he, this is our priest here, and he wants to pray for you. So I prayed for this lady named Mary and just trusted that God would touch her. You know, I remember a few weeks later, I was back out, and I said, what happened to Mary? She always came for her a cup of tea, and he said, oh, she came the other night and said, we haven't been able to get through to the gospel. We filled her teacup up. We filled her soup cup up. And she had to stand there. So while it cooled down, we heated her up with the gospel and said, that night she received the Lord. Said, when we came back the following week, she didn't come. And I went looking for her. Her box was gone. I asked the local policeman, the local guard, what happened. Said, oh, Mary passed away. We found that she passed away the night after she received the gospel, and she's in heaven today by the grace of God. Why? Because we go on the streets and we proclaim what God said, and we pray. The close of this, one of the most interesting things, whenever we 
bought St. Mark's and God began to use it in such a remarkable way. They just a month ago sent or two months ago sent out the eighth church plant, eighth daughter's church from the from the church, our pastor Sean Malarkey, that's his name. I'm sorry. I said, Sean, when you go to America, just kind of say, my name is Sean. I said, why? Because I said, if you said my name was Sean Bologna, they wouldn't believe you anyway. So there you go. But anyway, Pastor Sean Malarkey and Susan did such a remarkable job. Many when he was 19, led Susan to the Lord when she was 16, and lead, lead the whole national work. But they just sent out the earth, eighth church plant. But I know wherever I go and God does something, I know it must be a result of somebody praying. If you're here today saved, filled with the Spirit, it's because somebody prayed. This church is here because somebody prayed. And I knew the only thing that could have happened for St. Mark's to be so remarkably used of the Lord was because somebody prayed. I met a man there and began to share with him. And his wife had come to Wilma's home group or come to Wilma's Bible study. And I met Eamon, and Eamon didn't didn't know the Lord. Eamon didn't like uh, Americans. He didn't like English and so on. My mother's English. My dad's American. I didn't have a chance, but God put him on my heart. And I used to meet him in a pub, and he uh, he, he would have a pint, and I would have an orange, and I'd share with him. And over the years, I saw the Lahima respond to the Lord. He became a catalyst for us to purchase that building. And one day he said, do you know the story of St. Mark's? I said, no, I don't know the story. I've looked at the history. It was, it was opened in 1746. Supposedly, uh, John Wesley preached the gospel there. And uh, I said, I don't know a lot about it. It had a lot of outreach and things like that in its early years. He said, uh, well, there were two old evangelical ladies in the church that were left. The church was down to only a few people. And these two ladies, the bishop of the Church of Ireland, came and said, we're going to have to close the church down. Everybody has moved into the suburbs. And they said, you can't cho- close our church down. And they see, he said, well, we have to because we can't afford to keep it open. And they said, so we're going to pray. And they began to pray. He still closed it down. But these two little evangelical sisters began to meet once a month for an hour and prayed. And they prayed, as my understanding, for nearly seven years that God would reopen St. Mark's as a place where the gospel was preached and the ministry was done. It would be a place of worship, evangelism, and outreach, and God answered their prayer. I thought this was remarkable. God is using people as they pray and they believe the Lord. And then I remember as we begin to plant churches around the nation that uh, we had planted a church. Jamie Cochran and, and Ludd had planted a church in a place called Navin that you're relating to now. And they felt to go to Blanchardtown, a suburb of Dublin, and to plant a church. And I remember being there when they had the launch. There were nearly three, over 300 people there for the launch of this new church in the cinema or in a, uh, uh, yeah, in a cinema. And uh, so we were there, and, and, and the music was loud. I mean, there were times that the music was so loud in St. Mark's, and, and, and uh, somebody would say to me, do you like the music? I said, no, but I have to go. I'm the pastor. But anyway, uh, and, and so the, it kicked in, and the music was loud. Well, we kind of knew where to sit. It didn't make any difference to me because I knew they were attracting a group of young people and young couples that needed Jesus. And, and I remember as the meeting started, I saw this old couple come into my right. 
and they were, uh, they were both on walkers. And I thought, they have no idea that this is a church. And, and, uh, and they make their way in. Somebody helps them sit down in the disabled section. And, and, uh, and the music uh, is going, and I'm thinking, they will never come back again. They will never come back again. After the meeting, everything dispersed. I went to the uh, young pastor, Samuel, and I, uh, a week or two later, and uh, saying, how did your second week go? It was great. We had a great crowd. We had people saying, I said, tell me about, you remember that old couple that come in uh, on the walkers? He said, oh, yeah. Did you see them? I said, I saw them. I bet they've never been back. Oh, no, they're back last Sunday. And I said, are you serious? He said, I am. He said, I went to them, and I apologized because the music was so loud. And they said, oh, that's all right. He said, we're part of a, a small church, but we know about you guys and your church planning. And we've been praying that y'all would come to our area and plant a church. We've been playing for several years. When we heard you were launching, we wanted to be there for the launch. And so we came in. He said, I want to apologize that the music is so loud. Oh, that's not a problem. We both were here, here at AIDS. And so we cut them off during the worship, and we cut them back on for the preaching. Keep the music going. It's attracting young people. This is what we have prayed for. We knew God had called you. God would use you, and God would bless you. And it's happening just like we thought. I thought, when two people gather together and agree, amen? When two people gather together and agree as touching heaven, something happens. So we've got a church going up in a place called Bambridge. And they were meeting in a home. They outgrew the home. They moved into another place. Paul and Helen Couples did a remarkable job. And then they found an old, in an old industrial uh, complex, they found a couple of buildings that were available for their church. And so uh, they, they asked the owner if they could go to that area could they put they be involved in church planning there and uh, and considered renting his building he said uh, that's fine said but we want to have a service there first to get the feel of the place so they did and their music was loud and they launched the service and they spent a couple of hours just in worship and praise and crying out to God they walk out of the building after the close and they look up and there's two people standing overlooking the place on the side of the hill there. Pastor says, go up and speak to those puppets and, and, and uh, apologize that we were probably too loud. And so they do. They make their journey up. Being a good pastor, you assign a good deacon to do it. And uh, they went up to see him and uh, uh, introduced themselves and said, we're with the Generations Church and so on, and we're praying about a place here and we're sorry if we were a little loud. They said, oh, we love it. He said, we've been praying for that building specifically that God would open a church. What happens when the people of God gather together and pray? When the church prays fervently and believes the Lord fervently as they prayed for Peter, iron gates begin to yield and God begins to do a work. Pledging is absolutely essential. Giving is absolutely essential. But we need prayer warriors. 
people. I know as I'm preaching today, there's a man that's over 80 years old that is praying for me. I have another armor bearer in Ireland woman I do named Ellen that is praying and believing God for us. We need people praying, standing together, arm to arm, because I find when you pray, you're also released to give. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to touch our lives here today. God, we have a great sense that you're here in the house with us, and you're touching us, and you're ministering to us. And I ask you, Lord, to touch us in a new and a fresh way. I ask your Holy Spirit to come among us, Lord, and speak to us. And I ask this, Lord. I ask you to speak to the lives of those that are here. They will hear the call, and they will answer when you say, send me. And I ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you, Owasa. I appreciate what you do. God bless you, Pastor Bruce. How many of you want to be more than a spectator? You want to be part of the team. I think today's been orchestrated by God. I think it's imperative we understand that the first thing that has to happen is we have to encounter God's presence and his fullness. You know, we just finished the series on Galatians in chapter 6. It says, do not become weary in doing well. There is a tremendous possibility that we can get weary in what we're doing if we are striving in our own human power. And the only way that we can continue to go forward is as the power of God enables us. Maybe you're here today and you need God's touch in your life. We truly believe that God is the answer for whatever problem you have. And that he is gracious and generous. That simply means this. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to get good enough for him to come and help you. And you don't have to ask him for the scraps. Because he's going to give to you from his great resources. I'd like for you to bow your heads all across the room. And I just want to do this prayer for you right now. If you guys just keep the lights up until we're done today, because we have people coming forward in a minute, and uh, just leave lights up as they are right now. If in this moment you would say, Pastor, I need God's touch in my life today. I need his help. I need his strength whatever it is you need today, if it's a spiritual need, if it's a financial need, if it's a, a physical need, an emotional need, but I need God's touch in my life today. Would you raise your hand all across the room? I want to pray for you. I want to ask you in just a moment as I pray that you'll open your heart to receive what God has for you. In faith, believe. And I'm confident God's going to show up in your life today. Lord, for the many that raised a hand right now, I thank you that you are the God who provides. I thank you that you are the God who is sufficient. There is no lack. There is no difficulty. As the prophet said, your arm is not too short to reach us. But your ear is open and your heart is abundant.
with grace and mercy and goodness. Lord, I pray that right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would meet those in this moment who are calling out to you. And I pray that the supernatural would occur in this moment. Lord, we're not asking for just a little help or for a little strength. We're asking for supernatural assistance in our lives. Thank you, God, for your abundance and for your goodness. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?